You're tuned in to The Show on the Road, a music discovery podcast where every episode I'll dive deep into the creative minds of your new favorite songwriters, band leaders, and sonic explorers who, like me, have dedicated their lives to traveling the world, telling their strange stories to anyone who'll listen. My name is Zach Lupiton. Let's go. This week on the show, I bring you my cross-freeway conversation with a certain kaleidoscopic quartet. Funk ambassadors to LA's San Fernando Valley, dapper purveyors of dreamy diaspora psychedelic tropicalia, cunning creators of concrete riverbed dance parties that whirl and twirl in technicolor cycles of existential rhyme. I mean, the one and only Chicano Batman. I'll try to keep this a little shorter this week. Uh, One, because I'm taking care of a friend's dog who is breathing on my neck right now, and she really wants to go out. If you hear that, I'm sorry, she's very adorable. The other reason is that I love Chicano Batman's music so much, I'd rather hear their existential rhymes and not mine today. Let me briefly introduce you to the band. There's Eduardo Arenas on bass, guitar, and vocals, Carlos Arevalo on guitar, Barda Martinez lead vocal, keyboards, and guitar, and Gabriel Villa on drums. I was able to catch up with Bardo and Eduardo on Zoom, hashtag 2020, and they are sheltering in place in L.A. right now as the two new dads of the group. You will hear one baby make an appearance throughout, and if one thing is clear at the end of our conversation, it's that they're quite aware that Chicano Batman is making a new soundtrack to a city and a country at a crossroads. It's a strange and unexpected responsibility, and one that they don't take lightly. Young kids, especially Latino kids in L.A., really look up to these guys. And in the past, you may have seen them at music fests like Coachella, dressing up in signature matching frilled mariachi outfits and crooning in a colorful mashup of Spanish and English as on previous standout records like the dreamy cycles of existential rhyme, as I mentioned before, and the rebellious freedom is free. But their newest album, Invisible People, is their most personal, political, and downright danceable to date. The old-school outfits are tucked away in storage, but their playful vibe remains, even as the musicianship and pop tightness takes a huge leap forward. While it wasn't their plan to release the 2020 LP in the thick of a pandemic, of course, a massive tour and a triumphant homecoming show at the Shrine had to be rescheduled to 2021. Get those tickets now, they're selling fast. The messages embedded within their signature organ, guitar, and vocal interplay ring especially true right now. Look, I'll admit, I adore Spanish-language roots music. I lived in Spain for a time, I go to Mexico every winter, but truly my knowledge isn't very deep when it comes to the current heroes of the genre. I don't even know what you call this genre. I do know that at about age 15, a friend gave me Manu Chao's seminal record, Clandestino, and my world cracked open right from my disc man. When I moved to LA, one of the first things I did was convince two friends to go see Manu Chao live at a bullring in Tijuana. It was almost like a religious experience. He sang in four languages, like a whirling dervish Bob Marley, Bob Dylan mashup, and the crowd demanded five encores. I thought the place was going to burn to the ground. For the last 12 years, Chicano Batman has been slowly creating their own feverish fan base in a now proudly majority Latino LA. Their striking new long play record, Invisible People, is like an anthem to the hardworking people all around us who are often kept in the shadows. It's not hard to see that most of the essential workers and first responders who keep our country going are people of color and are often undocumented. While the band now sings mostly in English, they have become role models for LA's vibrant Latin roots rock renaissance, acting as springboards to a whole new scene that may not even have a genre or a name yet. 
All I know is that feeling I first had when I listened to Clandestino on that school bus, on that school trip for the first time, it's the feeling I get listening to Chicano Batman. With each new record, the quartet harnesses the rhythms and inspirations of their South, Central, and North American heritages and synthesizes them into a deliciously groovy, surprisingly sensitive, and now proudly politically charged sound that is just totally, essentially American. I'm grateful that Bardo and Eduardo took time away from their little babies to talk to me. And if you have a chance, check out their new record, Invisible People. It came out in the middle of a pandemic, and it could use your love. Support the bands that you love during this crazy time. We all need it. That's it for me for now. If you have a chance, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, or iTunes. Share it with a friend and leave us a friendly review. It means a lot. So without further ado, shine the light, they're coming for you, Chicano Batman. I see you dancing in the morning, I feel much better now that you are here, you are the wind that moves the ocean, the sand beneath my feet that keeps you My name is Eduardo Arenas, I play bass in Chicano Batman. My name is Bardo. Uh, I sing, play guitar, and play keys, depending on the song, depending on the era. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll throw down guitar, too. Yeah. I do backups. I sing a few songs. Uh, what else do we do? We fucking drive. Well, we don't drive as much anymore. Although <laughs> we used to drive a lot. Yeah. We used to screen shirts. We did it all. And Bardo, you have a special guest that you're holding yeah. as part of the podcast. Yeah, this is my today. boy, Caetano Luna. He just woke up from a nap, so uh, here we are. You named him Caetano, and that's kind of how some of you guys bonded over some of that music, the Tropicalia music and Caetano Veloso, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Definitely. If it wasn't for that, I think uh, it would just be a different story right now. How old were you guys when you met? 27. 26? I think maybe a little earlier than that. I think I was like 20, 22, 23. When we met at the party? Like first time, first time? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. First time, first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First time I was maybe 24. Yeah. I don't dude, know, dude. a long time ago. It was 20s, bro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 20s. Early was, 20s. Early 20s, yeah. And we didn't form a band until 2008, so that was, uh, that's 12 years ago. So that's, I'm 38 now, so that's 30, 28. Yeah, so I was 28. Yeah, 28 when we started the band. And Eduardo, I think you played a show with my group, Dust Bowl Revival, at the Hi-Hat. Oh, that's you, bro. Oh, shit. That's you. Yeah, totally, dude. At the Hi-Hat. It was loud and it was weird, but it was fun. It was fucking random. What were we doing there? <laughs> I, I was desperate for a show in December, and uh, you guys opened it up for us, and I said, let's go. And it was I think, only our second show, so we were trying to figure out our genre, and then with you guys, you guys are a massive powerhouse. We're like, what? And you guys go play in the crowd and do like loops, like snakes and stuff in the crowd. I'm just like, this is, wow. And then we saw you guys, you guys played a festival out in Massachusetts um, a few years ago. Yeah, and we yeah. saw you guys there. Yeah, Green River Fest, because we were on Signature Sounds yeah. for a few hours. Yeah, that was a sick festival, man. It was hot as fuck, but that was a dope festival. 
Did you get up in one of those uh, hot air balloons at that festival? Oh, nah. I didn't even know they had some. Yeah, it's it's one of the things where you can like ride up into the sky on those flaming balls of gas <laughs> if you're feeling crazy. Man. There was one band, um, about two bands before us, when we performed, um, they were like a Creole band from New Orleans, and they were just the most random, amazing, futuristic band I had ever seen in my life. It was like Tom Zay with like, you know, um, just James Brown and and like, I don't know, a Zydeco shit. It was dope. Well, it's always fun to, I think, mix different genres together that shouldn't exist, you know, and in a way, you know, when you have a a rock and soul funk group like you guys have with dudes from all over the Latin American diaspora, you know, you don't see that very often. You don't see it at festivals. You don't see it on playlists. And you guys uh, have been one of my favorite groups, especially in the L.A. scene for about 10 years. And um, you guys, you know, have evolved a bit from, you know, wearing your kind of mariachi matching outfits and, and singing mostly in Spanish. And then this new record uh invisible people which came out this year it's your fourth record is almost completely in english and is really just radio ready and super fun um but i love that you guys keep the weird existential vibes going no matter what uh era of your music you're doing and you there you inject this uh kind of cosmic spirituality into a lot of your songs even uh you know that color of color my life uh, song that has been everywhere in my house the last few months. Uh, it feels like you're questioning the very idea of race and where people belong in the hierarchy of America. Thanks. Dope. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I appreciate you saying that and uh, noticing that. Um, that's just such a necessity within the context of like music. Music is such a free thing. And it's it's just interesting how... You know, it's it just because of of our historical moment, um, it's so wrapped up into the capitalist reality that we live in. Um, so it, it's almost like a big contradiction, right? Like just doing music because it's such a like ethereal thing. Um, but I mean, apart from that, it's just like just just trying to like live in the moment, really, whatever it is, like trying to appreciate the little things that you kind of turn on to because you know you're just alive you know <laughs> so uh that's kind of the vibe that i try to you know look at everything you know that's how i see things uh i don't know being part of the music process also uplifts whatever energy that you felt uh in the initial inspiration of uh whatever you're feeling right it's just like bringing that to a song bringing that to the band bringing that to a crowd and then transmitting that energy is a whole thing on and on into itself. Um, you know, the whole thing about races and invisible people, definitely questioning that and just kind of like trying to flip that on its head because, you know, th there's too much weight behind that, behind that term, which doesn't, you know, it doesn't exist really. It's, it's not, it's not a, it's not, it's definitely not a scientific or it's not a, you know, it's not a reality, reality. You also, know what I mean? It, it's something that's constructed. If you look at what makes America great, right, it's the kaleidoscope of cultures that exist, sometimes within just one neighborhood, you know, and the, the food culture and the music culture. Right, right. Um, 
And if you take away the people of color, there's not a whole lot left. You know, like you need, you need that color. It's injected in our veins as Americans, you know, and we need it. I mean, I'd say, I'd say, like, I'd say if you take like, you know, all the white people away, you know what I'm saying? It's like, there's like, there's there like LA for sure is like yeah. majority Latino. Which you know? frightens some people. That's for sure. Um, I wanted to, co- I wanted to comment on the thing you said earlier about um, the album. And um, going off of what Bardo was saying, I think for me, I just like to improvise. You know, improvising is one of those rare things you get to do um, at a few moments in your life when it's like it's either this or that, but in a very spiritual and a very cosmic way, uh, on, on a straight up on a vibration. And um, and when the song's already done, you know, the very little you improvise live because everyone has their parts. You know, the lighting and the whole cues and that kind of thing. But in the studio, there's so much improvising, you know? And I think uh, after a while, you get to really realize, like, where it is that you got to. Because you had no idea in the beginning that you were going to go there. And I think that's, uh, that allows a lot of, like, uh, I mean, you got to be really open-minded. And you have to really take on the adventure. And I think, too, is, like, the thing about improvising is it's not like, it's like we're going to fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. At some point, you're going to fuck up. Well, that you know, messiness and, um, adds the spice, you know. But it's how you recover, you know, or how do you take it from the fuck up, which is the impressive part. And that's where the magic is at. Like those small fuck up recovery moments, I feel that that's about 80% of the vibe of, of what you're going for. That's why I love recording a demo of a new song right as you just wrote it, basically when you're almost figuring it out on the spot yeah, and then you mess up because you don't fully remember the hook yet. And then that quirk, that little part of the evolution becomes the song, you know, that's like how humans evolve. You know, we came from a quirk in some apes basically that happened, you know, a million years ago. And all of a sudden here we are. Our drummer Gabo has those moments in the recording studio. He has these fills that he'll do and I'm just like God where the fuck did you pull that out of and he says once once in a lifetime or once in a million he has this thing he's once in a lifetime you know yeah. and it'll be like an intro fail or something you know super iconic stuff you have this lyric um, device that you guys use a lot especially in the new record Invisible People where you're talking directly to someone just off screen you know like you're a lucid dream uh, you know are you a lucid dream or just a beam of light shining on me um, you've got to color my life. You've got to fill in my thoughts. It's almost like you, you're talking to the city as someone that you love, or you're talking to um, everyone around you, your family and your friends that you can't um, ever bring into one room in one place. You know, it's like a big party that you wish you could throw. How do you guys uh, see yourselves? Um, singing that song, like, who are you speaking to? Who's the you? Well, you know, for me, in Color My Life uh, in particular, you know, the you is is all kinds of things. Like, the, the song just has all kinds of ideas. I feel like more and more my inclination in songwriting is to move towards just, like, I don't know, just, there's just the, multi, the multiplicity of thoughts. Like, just kind of, like, connecting to different things. And, and it just kind of hitting on all of them because 
you know, I could say you and, and nobody could knows what I mean necessarily, right? Uh, and it's kind of cool because it's obviously up to interpretation too. So anybody could grapple any particular part of it. And it just becomes, like you, like you said earlier, just kind of like this existential thing that's in the music that's like, takes it somewhere different than, you know, I don't know, just uh, than like a storyline, for example. You know, it, it's just more open and uh, I don't know, man. Like I said, it's just like that song... There was all kinds of people that came to my head, you know, from people in the past, you know, past relationships to to uh, future ones, to the forest, to, you know, nature. And uh, I don't know, just kind of things that I always I, I tend to like really just move towards as a person. You know what I mean? Uh, and I, I include it at, you know, I always drop it into the music. Freedom is Free, your 2017 record. It's so mo- it reminds me of Green Day's Dookie, you know, the sort of collage of <laughs> like sick, dude. just total yeah. madness with, you know, your eye is trying to find the theme, but you have this uh, sort of indigenous angel rising in the middle with all this sort of violence totally. and chaos yeah. below. Um, and really, you know, your music for me symbolizes the the warmth and the you know, the hope of a, of a future that is going to be led by people like you. Man, that's amazing. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, that, that means a lot. Um, we, haven't, we haven't heard that. We haven't heard it like that ever. Tell me about that cover just, real quick. People don't get it. Yeah, yeah. just, I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it goes along with what I've been talking about. It's just like, you know, uh, I don't know, man. To me, like, you said you you said like the center you know the person in the center right is this indigenous person right and and you know we were looking for somebody me and Carlos talked about it because he understood the concept of of like basically trying to find somebody that doesn't necessarily have a particular okay this person's you know kind of like a mixed cosmology you know uh, and like you can't really point your finger at where she's at or where she's from. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, it's definitely about representing that, you know, that, that roots culture, that spirituality that comes from, I mean, it really comes from everybody, you know, at the root of it, everybody has a spirituality. Everybody came from a tribe, right? Before, before people had farms, people, you know, people had, you lived in smaller units, you know, you know, uh, whether it's 50 years ago, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Uh, you know, everybody came, you know, whether you're Scottish or Irish, you're, you know, the, that those are tri- tribal people, you know, um, if you're, you know, Mexican, you know, you're tribal because you're, you're pretty close to that reality. Like, you know, you could go back probably three generations and, and find a picture of your grandmother with like braids on the side, you know, I, I do. Um, yeah. um, you know, if you're, you know, depending where you're at on the continent, you have a connection to the land that that's very deep. Um, and I, I really feel 
that all of us, you know, as humans, uh, dig into that, like in their very nature, in in you like in your daily life, the things that you, you know, feel happy about, or or our frustrations, or whatever it is that we're going through, is because we're detached from the earth. You know, we're detached from that that uh, that reality. I was just in the forest a few days ago. I, you know, we went up to Mammoth, and uh, I'm like, wow, I want to stay here. I don't want to go back home. You know, we went to yeah. like Convict Lake and it's just like the most beautiful place ever. Like just the most massive mountain. And you could kind of just think about, you know, how that mountain was formed. You know, <laughs> you know, like the, you could see the tectonic plates crash into each other. You could you could kind of imagine the, 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 la- the lava melting. And uh, wow. It's I mean, the earth is is such an amazing, beautiful place. And, and we as humans have lived on it harmoniously for most of our existence. It's only been, uh, you know, tens of thousands of years or, or, you know, it's a very small amount of time in relation to, you know, we've been destroying the earth for a small amount, for a smaller amount of time than, than we've actually been rejoicing and living harmoniously with it. And the, uh, the examples are everywhere of how, you know, cultural examples and uh are they're within us you know what i mean uh and you have that uh, bridge i think it's the bridge and freedom is free when you say that the galaxies are all around us life will flow on and while i'm here on earth i'll rejoice in its worth you know and (laughs) i can't help but think um about the republican national convention that's happening right now and the uh as you say in that song the jaded game that they're playing, you know, that they're right. sort of seeing the world as this very small, broken, dark place that only uh, one tyrannical figure can lead us through. And uh, whereas yeah. the other side, a lot of times is saying, hey, we're a multicultural rainbow of possibility here. Like, why can't both sides see that? And it's so hard to get that across. Um, and I was most I was referring to like, you know, hipsters like walking down the street and just, you know, <laughs> you know, it is like hipsters kind of just like ignoring you or just, you know, just the just the culture, the jaded nature of, you know. But I think it has I think it has a deeper meaning right now, at least for me when I hear it. Yeah, it totally has a deeper meaning. Yes. Thank you. No, totally. I'm just saying like. It's it's all of that, you know? Because the ocean is all around us In life of long As long as there are ripples in the waves And sun rays from the sun What is your, uh, because I know that you guys uh, in the band represent, you know, you have Central American heritage, South American heritage, uh, North American heritage, obviously. But like, how do you guys see yourselves as Latino artists? I mean, I we don't, you know, because <laughs> when we look at the mirror, we're still the same person that we, we were born. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, so we're out, still Eduardo, Bardo, still Bardo. I think the outside tells us that we're a Latino band, you know, because, I mean, when we're with our families and when we're in our communities, you know, we're with Latinos, so it's not like we're standing out, you know, but one thing as Chicano Batman that right. is uh, that we have to face up against is people telling us that um, we're this or that, you know, when in reality, I think Invisible People, our new album, speaks for itself about who we are, you know, and what we're trying to reach to, you know, and that album has no divisions yeah. of anything, not genres, you know, not race, not ethnicity, not gender. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's, it's us trying to explore the biggest form of art that we can, you know? And I think um, um, it's cool to be on this platform where a lot of people can listen to our music now and appreciate us for what we've been doing for a long time. At the same time, you know, this platform does come with its, uh, I'd say, advantages of being exposed to a lot of youth, you know? And, um, you know, when we were young, I didn't see a lot of successful Latino bands, you know, so um, that I can look up to. And right now, a lot of youth look up to this band, you know, and, uh, and the members in it and uh, the platforms that we're playing on, you know, whether we're playing with Jack Wyatt or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, and it, it feels cool. It feels cool because, uh, you know, you get to represent something something of change, you know, something of, of hope, something, something that's, that's roots and strong, you know, for a lot of people that believe in you. Yeah, I mean, representation is important. I mean, it's hard to uh, be inspired by something that's not there on TV or on the radio. You know, a lot of, you know, people in my parents' generation, they remember that moment where Elvis and the Beatles, you know, showed up on Ed Sullivan, like on TV in front of them, like magic. It was like un, unlike anything they'd ever seen. And it launched a million rock bands playing in garages, you know, and you guys maybe are the spark for a lot of young folks who never thought they could get a guitar and a keyboard and start playing the forum. You know, I mean, that's a big deal. It's I mean, that's a big right. fucking deal. Totally. Yes, it's it's interesting how it's so multi multifaceted, you know. Um, you know, like we like the songs on this record. You could say that we decided to just sing them in English or whatever, just because like yo, we're just trying to get ahead in this world. You know what I mean? Like within the music industry, and you know, like you said, like went from being a band that had mariachi suits to like, oh, these guys are playing some pop, fresh ass shit. You know what I mean? So it's like. Like it's it's part that's part of the equation, uh, and it, it's it's ever changing. I I would say that for me, identity has always been something that's been changing within myself. Like from a kid to to now, you know what I mean. Uh, being a college student and and you know, hanging out, being part of the Chicano movement, you know, the political thing that was going down, or just the cliques that I was running with, or people that I met. You know what I mean? It's just you just that's just how it goes. You just meet people and. You just kind of find yourself rocking a certain way, you know. Uh, I will say that for me, like my identity has changed over the years, and I, I've just seen it like just expand in terms of like how I see myself and 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 and, and in the world, you know. Uh, from from a more like you know, if you ask me, you know, where are you from or what are you, I'll be like, well, I mean, and I, you know, I'm Mexican and Colombian. My mom's Colombian, my dad's Mexican, you know. Um, 
But then, you know, you take your genetics test and you're like, wow, I'm actually from all over the world. Like, I'm like 5% Italian and I'm like, you know, I got like 17% African. Like, I'm mixed. I'm like super mixed, you know? And uh, I've, I've always known that at the same time, you know? Like, the way my mom rocks, the way my pops rocks, it's, you know, it's just been this like crazy fusion of cultures that I've grown up with living here in, in a suburb in LA, of, of suburb of Los Angeles. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's what we're bringing to the table. Like everybody got their story and everybody, you know, the four of us as a band, you know, are super, like you said, Carlos is from El Salvador. His mom is, is Mexican American. Gabo's from Colombia. So, so, uh, so it's interesting. Yeah. We're bringing all that, all that history, right. To the forefront and we're not negating it. You know, nobody's saying, Hey, I'm not this or that. It's just, you know, for me, it's just, it's just. I've grown, I think I've grown to the point where I'm like, well, it's actually a lot more complicated, you know, this whole story that we all, that we're telling ourselves, that we tell each other, you know, this identity politics is so complex. And especially at, you know, and, and it's come to a head. Here it is. Black Lives Matter, right? You know, everything related to that in the age of, of social media. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. You know, so it's, it, it affects all of us. And, and so I, I feel like at least... Uh, our grain of sand, you know, is to at least, you know, create this, this dialogue, you know, at the end of the day, music is that dialogue, whether it's spiritual, whether it's political, whether it's, you know, and, and the best artists have made that very clear, you know what I mean? Whether, you know, going back to, you know, the 1960s, late 1960s, John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Bob Marley, you know what I mean? And those, that's just, that's all, it's all part of it. Did you guys have, um, music in your family were there musicians that you looked up to when you were a little kid i did i had a bunch of uncles that played music together so they would play um like super grupera stuff like bookies temerarios you know fito Olivares, grupera like cumbia baladas romantica stuff like that and um i was a little groupie a roadie i just get beer and roll up cables you know and carry shit <laughs> and uh, it was dope. My uncle had a like a, a carbon combo um, drum set. No, no, no. He had a like combo uh, PA. I mean, a, a carbon PA. But he had a Roland V drum, like a really early one, for his toms. And then he had a trigger and his kick. And so he would run that through the mixer, and they would sound super huge, like they would in the record. So I grew up with that. Like, and then later on, he gave me all those electronic drums and the module. The module I still use and I record uh, on some of my cumbias and stuff like that. And, um, but he was pushing for like a big sound in the early 90s. You know, he was, he kind of inspired me. I mean, he obviously inspired me to keep going. He always supported me, um, you know, bought me like records and shit, went half on a guitar. Like he's always been there for me. And so, um, yeah, hadn't I had that, like it's, it would have been a different route, you know, like he's teaching me sad but true on drums. You know, when I'm in high school, you know, of Metallica, like that's my that's my godfather, you know. So, um, you know, that's that's kind of like the relationship I had. So every time we check in or I see him at a barbecue or something, he like, you know, check my rhythm, make sure that my rhythm's not like too fast or too slow just for the uh -huh. fuck of it. I'm just like, ah, I just want to kick. I just want to kick it. Like, why do you talk to me like this right now? You know, or tell or bring me in his room. Be like, listen to this. And he'll put like ACDC really loud, you know, and, and like keep me there for an hour. You know, that's that's kind of like the childhood I had. 
and my dad too. My dad would play a lot of uh, Ray Charles and The Doors, and Janis Joplin, um, at the house. Uh, Iron Butterfly, uh, Koto, <laughs> you know, uh, Taiko drums, um, Smokey Robinson, The Miracles, um, Linda Ronstadt. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he played all that stuff um, at the house. So when we were clean, that's the soundtrack. So that stuff definitely now has influenced me big time. Like listening to all those Doors for so many years, LA Woman. Like when you're a teenager, it's just like, all right, it's time to clean, clean the, the garage. But now it's just like your identity, you know? So it's so ingrained in, in us. And they're an LA band too, so it makes sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> hey, did he, uh, did he use that trigger? It's like an electronic pad. Did he put it on the kick drum? Mm, he did that for, for a while. He had two. He had that, and then he had this other reverse reverse kick, like... You know, with a pad, he had like this bl- block, like a brick, and that you connect that to a, a, a quarter-inch cable, and you connect that into your to your mixer, and then that would give off a signal. Pop, pop, pop. But it wasn't no, 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 connected you, to the kick drum at the same time. He had that. He had that in a different one, but I think he would alternate. I think he liked that better, the combo of, of both. Okay. Yeah, he clip clip wow. it onto the onto the drum, and then that would send it to the to the trigger, and he would choose a trigger that would be fat. That's actually what we're trying to do right now. That's totally what we're trying to do right now. He was doing that <laughs> live, the OG. playing backyard yeah, like quinceañeras and, and baptisms. He was just like, you know, because there's like in, in this world there's bands called, like uh, called Los Temerarios, uh, Los Mier, um, you know, Bronco that you you that were using electronic kicks and, and toms and things like that, and they were fly, you know. Just like Genesis was using it, you know, and all these other, other 90s, I mean, uh, American bands. But they just adapted it and it was just super gated reverb with it and just super, you know, sounds awesome. I just found and this Los Yonix 45 that I had. It just, it just, it slaps. It's just so dope. Like the, the, the drum sound is so fat. Dope. See, and yeah. a, a lot of these, a lot of these recordings too, they're fat. They're fat. Like they're fat sounding. The kicks are fat. Oh, yeah. The snares are fat. So uh, my pops, my pops played guitar. So you know he had an acoustic guitar, and he would just play the same four songs over and over again. Like growing up, like he would just sing the same songs. Like we would get together, my mom's, my sister and I, we would just get together in the living room, and he would just play the songs. Like we would sing them in the car. You know what I mean? So that was kind of like our like family time bonding experience that we had. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Um, my mom's my mom's is Colombian. You know, she's from the, the the Caribbean, so she has this like amazing spirit and flow that just kind of like this crazy radiant happy energy, and so she just we grew up dancing, bro. We grew up dancing in the living room, in the backyard, wherever we went, we were just dancing, you know. Like, and and my pops collected a lot of records and made a lot of beat tapes, so we had everything from like you know Gladys Knight on the pip pips. Uh, you know, to the monkeys, to Santana, to the cream, to, uh, you know, laid back to all these disco 45 jams, you know what I mean? And so, I don't know, I just remember seeing my pops like do like jump up in the air and do like, like a, a, a whirlwind kind of jump. And just he would just, he would just love music, you know, and, and, uh, he was funky, man. He was funky. And his taste is, like, amazing because he grew up, like, at the right time. You know, he's listening to music in his 20s, 
in the disco era. You know what I mean? He watched the Yellow Submarine when he was like six, seven years old. So it's just like my dad grew up here too. He came to from he came from Mexico to the states to to Orange County when he was six, seven years old. So he's pretty much he's super Chicano. Like he grew up here. Uh, so he he grew up with all the music that was popping, all the pop music. And I'll be honest, man, I feel very blessed that, you know, like that shit runs through my veins. Like, you know, and, and I feel like I'm constantly just moving towards that direction of just like playing music to to like kind of connect with my childhood, you know, like. Make your dad dance. You're trying to make your dad yeah, dance. Yeah, just like make it like, I don't know, man, I have dreams of listening to Riders on the Storm. Like, I'm sure I listened to that in my mom's womb. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I put the, uh, yeah, I always loved how they had the, the rain and the thunder in that. I was oh, yeah. like, why, oh, yeah. why don't people use sound effects more oh, in rock songs? That's a good Dang. point. Dude. Like, where's all the cool, like, movie soundtrack right. like, good, backdrops? Good so I, I did, I did a, I did a um, gospel song called John the Revelator that we keep playing. It's like an old sort of spiritual song from the gospel church. And when we recorded it, it's kind of cheesy now, but, like, there's, like, a thunder and rain thing exactly like riders on the storm. Cause I was like, that's so cool when they yeah. do that. It like wasn't as cool when we did it, but like, yeah, it was Hell's- paying homage to that for sure. All right, let's go back to the early days. Your first self-titled record, 2010. Um, I was jamming out to La Samoana recently and I love the interplay between the sort of tropicali guitar and funk organ, which is kind of like what, you guys do best is this conversation between the vocals, the organ and the guitar. It's like these snakes intersecting with each other at all times. But that song kind of about your daily, you know, routine in your neighborhood. Uh, it, it's so sweet. Tell me about that tune. Well, I, I, I started recording stuff on GarageBand like, like in 2000 and like, once I got my laptop, 2005 or something like that and um it was just some tune that i just recorded on GarageBand. like that's that's how it started you know and i wrote a song about my dad like he he told me that you know there's not many romantic tales that he's told me you know what i mean but he told me this one and he he dated this you know this uh samoan woman uh when he was living in you know santa Ana, and he was (laughs) My dad's so funny. He was like, she was great. Like, <laughs> okay, okay. And, and it was just, it was just such an amazing tale for me. You know what I mean? Because it was just like, he's telling his, you know, son, my, you know, he's my dad and I'm hearing this story and it's just like, wow, dad, you, you, you're dope. I don't know. Like, you're such a stud. Stud <laughs> muffin. I think when you grow older, <laughs> when you start getting older and you, you have kids of your own now, like. Yeah. Even the recent past when you were like 25 seems like a different world. It seems like a different totally. time where you had these yeah. adventures that seem impossible now. You know, you just met people exactly. and you made out in, in the park. And I was like, well, yeah, we just did that. We were young. Dude, 20. That's not my story. 25 to, to I'm 38 now. I was 13 years. Almost like two people ago. <laughs> yeah. In every seven years. Right. So La Samoana, and then um, basically I had that demo, and then I showed the guys, and they're like, okay, all right, we can work with this. <laughs> and then uh, 
you know, Eduardo and Gabo just went at hammer. They they just went to town on the 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 rhythm. You know, basically we we basically kept the form of the song, but my bros just threw in like some crazy arrangements. Oh, that's know? right, because they just went to went to town on the. It sounded rhythm. like Caifanes, like you're like like you're rock in Espanol. It sounded rock in Espanol. That was, yeah. that was kind of the relationship for for you know that that record, you know. For, for a lot of those songs was basically like I had some of those those tunes already demoed and the you know these cats would be like nah let's flip this shit <laughs> and, and we, we, we would flip it and it was fun because it was also like I guess part of the mission too was to use you know I don't know like at least this I had this idea and it, and it, and it seems kind of funny now because everybody does it but kind of like you know, like have like a pop song and improvise the shit out of it within it. You know what I mean? Um, and I think we all kind of obviously gravitated towards that and did that together. Um, that's what we did back in the day. Y el otro día la vi el apartamento. El otro día la vi me puse menso. Planchaba su ropa con su alma caliente. Cocinaba la sopa con su alma caliente. Well, there's a part of uh, La Samuana that slows down towards the end, like, or the, I think the maybe the three quarter mark where it, it, yeah, it like gets like real syrupy and kind of groovy whereas the beginning is this sort of almost yeah disco vibe and then you go into a completely different transition which is kind of a Beatles-esque thing and you guys definitely have some Beatles influence uh maybe threaded throughout you know where McCartney especially wanted to have five songs in one you know like Golden Slumbers Golden Slumbers or uh Wings stuff where you're like is this a different song or or are we still there, you know, day in the life. You don't, you never know where you're gonna go, um, and I get stuck sometimes in that, you know, form obsession where I'm like, okay, I got the two verses, got the two choruses, and here's the bridge. And you're like, <laughs> why does that have to be like that every song? Yeah, yeah. Bob, um, Bardo was our, our pop dude, and Melody, Melody man. He I mean he wrote the songs, so. Um, Every every band member is different. We all like Gabo's from Colombia. And he has, but he's like started like a rock drummer, you know. But then, I think through Chicano Batman, Gabo started tapping into more salsa and cumbia and roots, you know, through through our band, through being in our band. He didn't come with it, you know. He kind of learned it with us. But he and beyond that shit at that point. Yeah, like foreigner shit. Beyond all that shit. Yeah, like Rush. Oh yeah. Do you guys dream in English or in Spanish? Or both? I dream in both. But probably mostly in English. I dream in English. Have you had any more uh, vivid dreams since the pandemic Dude, lockdown than normal? Because a lot of us... I fucking had a crazy-ass dream last night. I dreamt that I was kicking it with Christian Bale okay. as him in American Psycho. Yeah. You know? And uh, and he was like, I saw him kill a dude, and then I saw him kill uh, another one of his friends, uh, another woman, and then we're at a party, and then he's just like, yeah, like in the middle of the party, like craving for attention, and then blood starts coming out of his face and starts coming out of his clothes, and everybody gets scared, 
and he throws out this welt like ah, you know everybody starts running and then run and he's starting to throw a knife at my back you know i'm climbing this gate he's throwing a knife and then i wake up and i'm like okay that was that was not a okay good that's a nightmare and then i started sleeping again and then i started dreaming and now i was christian oh, bale shit. So I was the killer, and I was like, how the fuck did this happen? This has never happened to me in the dream world. I'm thinking in my head, like, I've never dreamt this kind of shit. You know, so then I'm going, and then I'm like, wait, why am I at this stage when he was at this stage now? Like, what? But in my head, I'm just like, this is, don't, this is not me. Like, what? But then all around me, I was him in that same dream. That's fucking nuts. If you come down to, to Venice Beach, you'll see him around. Like, he just, like, I've seen him three or four times. I sat next to him at a sushi restaurant once. Uh, I had a conversation with him at my Vespa dealership in Marina del Rey. He was very nice. <laughs> we uh, compared notes on our motorcycles. I had I had a really tame 150cc Vespa, and he had, like, a, like, not street legal, like, probably Batmobile, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And he was like, yeah, Vespas, those things are cool. I was like, are they, though? All right. <laughs> he was he was very nice. Thanks, man. Wait, I, I don't actually know why um, Batman is in your band name. I I didn't see that anywhere in the write ups about you guys. It's catchy. It's cool. Got us far. Now we don't need it. <laughs> now we don't need it. All right. Each person in the band, what would be their superhero name, Dude. and what would be their power? You think that's a tough one. We got Brainiac. <laughs> that's Carlos. He can see into the future. He's super meticulous, he can see into the studious. Future. Yeah, he's like he sees the algorithms in front of his oh, face. Oh yeah, you know, he's, like Zuckerberg. He's like fucking Neo you know what I'm saying? from the Matrix. Yeah, he's like in this post we should not say this word because it's fallen off trends, and then we do it anyways, and then gets no <laughs> likes, and we're like, he's like, told you. We're like, how the fuck? What the fuck? So is he Brainiac? That's, that's Brainiac. him. <laughs> um, me I like to talk eh like I like to talk about like shit that nobody wants to talk about so I don't know what you call that but I'm that dude like a hey guy so uh you know should we talk about this um you know this carcass in the corner it's starting to smell no boundaries yeah. man <laughs> <laughs> I definitely encroach you know well it's a fearlessness so, that comes with that so that's my that's my superpower What's your part, though? I don't know, man. I, 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 I tend to lean into things with my heart, uh, just whatever is going, whatever I'm feeling. So um, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But generally, I think it's, um, how can I put it? it? I just write what I fucking feel like it, to be honest, in terms of like the music and like, you know, I'm pretty fast, you know. So like I, I may be I may be lazy when I'm at home, but when it comes down to like you know let's say there's like we're stuck in traffic, and we gotta figure out, you know we gotta get to the venue we gotta figure out what's going on. I'll just get out of the van and then run to the venue, and then like figure out where to park and shit. I don't know shit like that. He does that about fifty percent of the time. <laughs> You're the logistics man. No, the no, he's like get me out of get this out fucking of this van. van guy. <laughs> Give me the fuck out of here. I'll, I'll jump run the fences, rest. walls, whatever it is. He'll run, he'll walk two miles, dude. Like, <laughs> he, he leaves it. We're all like, I'm like uh, the criminal. 
<laughs> I'm the criminal of the band. I also learned really quick that promoters are really whack. Like, like really, like, low, like small scale promoters of small clubs are just like super uh-huh. shady. Like, they'll just take your money. You know, oh, I'm going to take like 40%. You know, <laughs> we didn't even talk about that, you know, and stuff like that. I just, I just been playing in bands for a long, you know, before we played Chicano Batman, I was in bands and stuff for a while. Do you remember those moments of playing empty rooms when you step out onto the stage at Coachella? Like, like, do those moments stay with you when you f- actually get to see the fruits of your labor blossoming in front of you? Because it took a long time. It, you know, every overnight sensation is 10 years in the making, as they say. But, you know, you guys have put in the time. You've gone through the hardships. And when you step out on that stage, are you able to take in sort of your own journey? I don't think empty rooms, for sure. I mean, when you have a huge crowd, like when we played Tropicalia, for instance, that was one of those big moments. Because that's one of the biggest audiences we've ever had. That was our audience. You know, and um, thousands, man. And, uh, you know, people... Where's that Where's that fest again? In Long Beach. Well, it was in Long Beach, and that moved to Pomona. But, okay. um, but... Um, I don't know when you're when you're in front of a lot of people you just got work to do <laughs> you know you got yeah. some convincing to do on a big scale you know and um, that's all I think about it's just it's like a killer spirit man like I'm a competitor so it's like I can use some of that ammunition to really pro- project you know the conviction and the heart and soul of what it is we're trying to do to as many people as possible eye contact the rhythm you know, just I just zoom around to see who's who's ready to go, and I link in and I just you know we lift each other. I think that's that's to me one at a time. You know, t- ten thousand people, uh, I might get to fifteen. <laughs> it's 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 kind of cool because I, I feel like me and Eduardo realized at a certain point that you know when we started maybe playing with Jack White, it's like well, yo, we're not gonna we're gonna we're gonna do shit if we're just standing here playing the songs like. These people don't really give a fuck who we are. So we got to, like, really give it to them. Like, and then, and, you know, like, I don't know. And I, I feel like we were really pushing that vibe because we were like, we could feel this shit. Like, you know, you know, we could feel what's going on in the crowd. There's just a lot of people looking at us. Okay. So it's just like, you know, I don't know. I started just jumping the fuck around eventually, like, at a certain point. Like, all 2016, all 2017. Up to recently, just it jumping. was just me jumping around, like both of us jumping around, like wild yeah. men on stage. Yeah, and we had a lot to prove, man. <laughs> we had a lot to prove. I, I, it was yeah, fun. Pe- it was fun. I, it's, I feel like I graduated from that, you know, where it's like I don't feel like necessarily I don't have to do that all the time. It's like you know my aesthetics as a performer, like our aesthetics are changing, right? And I think like yeah, we've been working part of part of why invisible people is what it is is so we can bring it live you know what i mean so we don't have to do as much work on stage because the music is just stadium like ready you know what i mean like hooks straight up fucking catchy fucking beats you know what i mean so it's just anyways man and unfortunately we haven't been able to play really but uh (laughs) (laughs) but we talked about that let's work less let's work less and get more you know yeah Totally. And that, that just had to be better and stronger songwriting. Totally. Yeah. You, you, you said earlier that, you know, you almost see yourself as two or three people 
that have evolved to where you are now, you know, and there's a, it's a part of your song, um, Cycles of Existential Rhyme, which is your uh, album from 2014, about shedding your past life and love and everlasting pain and joy. Like you're shedding it almost like a, uh, a snake skin and it's behind you, but it's always there, you know, and uh, the sort of inter mixing of your dream state and your reality state, which I think you guys go into a lot, especially on that record, um, trying to describe something that is just behind your eyelids in a way that only you can see, which I, I think is just a, it's a, it's an awesome thing that you guys do sort of like a Salvador Dali painting in music, you know? Yeah, you know, in high school, I was super into Dali and super into, like, just, I don't know, I had a really cool art class, you know, at La, at La Mirada High, and Mr. Carlson had just, like, books and books and books of all kinds of stuff, like, all kinds of references. And uh, I literally, for, my, for my, uh, my senior year in high school, I was done with everything, and I had, like, two art classes. I had two art periods. So, like... One after the other. I was in art class for like four hours. Damn. It was great. It was great. So it was just like me cutting out paper and fucking making collages and like drawing all kinds. I have some weird ass drawings from back in the day, like weird ass pieces. I was super into that shit. Like I was listening to like John Lennon and just tripping out on like like a song like Mind Games, for example, you know, and just uh I don't know, I, I really took all that music to heart and like the, the songwriting and how it would, it would just carry me off into a different place. And I, I didn't really start, I didn't smoke. I, I was just like a good kid, you know, who followed whatever my, did what my parents told me to do. Like, you know, I didn't smoke or drink until later, until like college and stuff like that. I was just tripping out on the music and just digging into it. And I don't know. It, and, and I think really that spirit just kind of stayed, stayed. I mean, it's, I think it's always just been a part of me. Uh, what you're talking about, you know, just the subconscious and like the, you know, I don't know, like really the spirituality of, of, of all that stuff or, or, or the creativity or the imagination, all those things. It's just like, you know, I, it's an incredible world to live in. I think like, I don't know, I, I relish all that shit and or relish within it. But I'm in the future now With feet on the earth and hands on the branches that I climb Within the waves that carry me <laughs> And now I'm sinking deep into a soul Like floating in the ocean we breathe to control The rhythm of our place Your record, Invisible People, I think really pinpoints the problem that we are not facing in that there's so many people in this country who um, are in the shadows. And you guys are able to you know, shine a light on that, but also show the joy that is in those communities and the creativity. And I think we are constantly focusing and, and, and fixating on, you know, 
the darkness around us and we need to see both sides. You know, we need to see um, the creativity and the success that is uh, coming from first generation and immigrant families. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I we need both that. in the public eye. I totally agree. You know, I totally agree. I would also say that, you know, we are also thinkers, you know what I mean? Like with this record, we're trying to like be agents. We're not just like, okay, well, you know, cause the thing is, the thing is super multifaceted. Like you said, like, yeah, there's two sides to the story, but like, we're also saying this is, this is, there's, there's more than two sides. Like we're putting out there, we're putting out there like a, like a existential thesis or like a, a, a worldview that says like, no, yo, this is like beyond us. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? We're only like a dot on this thing and we're all a part of it regardless of, I'm busy right now, mama. When I, when, like, give me one second. We're all a part of it. And um, how can I put it? Like we're, we're trying to, I mean, part of it is just like getting rid of the boxes that we're all confined in, you know? Like literally like, you know, we're brought up in these boxes. We're constant, like, we're kind of like that doll, like that China doll, right? Within, within this thing. And it's just like, wow, like there's so many layers that we have to break through so we can be just ourselves. You know what I mean? Um, and I think, I think that's, that's important. That's an important thing that this record does. I think uh, I'll just say one thing about that. Like, I'm thinking right now, today, Invisible People, when I think of that, I think of um, Jacob Blake, you know, and, um, you know, shot in the back seven times by Wisconsin police officers. And um, he's surviving right now, paralyzed from the waist down as of right now. And I heard his, his uh, I watched a video of his cousin speak, just talking about, you know, like, uh, Let's not forget that Jacob Blake is a is a son, is a is a is a cousin, is a dad, you know, he's a grandchild, all those different things, and you know that that his life matters, you know what I'm saying, and um, you know, like us, I think people of color they're on the on the shit end of being a statistic, you know, but as Bartho's saying, we're thinkers, you know what I'm saying, we're artists, we're innovators. Um, we're heroes. We're all that dope shit, you know, not just statistics. And I think, uh, like, all that shit matters. And not just to other Latino communities. It matters to everybody. You know, I think we just have to do the work and take down those barriers to accept love and change and ideas as ideas love and change, not ideas love and change coming from a black man or a Latino or a woman. You know, and I think once we start doing that kind of thing, then we have some real, real progress.
I'm glad we could all get together uh, virtually at least and, and talk about your music and, and how you guys are doing. You guys deserve every great thing that's coming to you. You put in the work, you put amazing music into the world. And, uh, you know, there's some really great messages and uh, philosophies that are coming through your music. If people actually dive a little deeper, which I hope they do. Um, which song would you like to take us out with from the new record? Uh, I'll say Prophet. I'll say Prophet. Can I say Prophet? Martha, let you if choose. We haven't really... I'll... Yeah. Prophet. Let's do Prophet. And yeah. you know what? They, they... Yeah, we haven't explored that one for sure. I just want to tell you, man, uh, thank you for all the, the kind words you're telling us and uh you know who else has put in the work man is you oh thank you uh, you put in the work and this interview is super super well uh thought out and uh it's it's a very rare opportunity we get to to have somebody who's digging into the material and goes further to really ask us about these things so i applaud you and hopefully more journalism and podcast could be this way there's not enough music uh journalism done by actual musicians that's my problem no. with a lot of stuff on the radio and and even podcasts about musicians it's like people who don't yeah. really feel it as deeply or or don't yeah, really totally. question it as much you know they're just like you made a great <laughs> song that i love and uh tell me about <laughs> you know what kind of guitar you play like how, how'd that song come about <laughs> or uh, just like uh, you know so i, mean, I, uh, I asked some stupid questions yeah, too i'll admit i know <laughs> Well, I think the Americana roots world that I'm more uh, entrenched in needs to hear your stuff way more than they need to hear another white guy with a guitar singing about his upbringing in the Midwest. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need your voices in this community. So tell me about The Prophet real quick. So a big thing about this record was Carlos was really pushing for, like, polyphonic synthesizers, and so he bought a Prophet, uh, like a newer one, and... I think that was like a the the title track for the demo that these guys got together. They sent me the track, and I was just you know, do 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 working on it, and I was like the profit for profit. You know what I mean? Like being a musician, trying to succeed with the art, with the spirituality, with all those beautiful things, and you know you you realize at a certain point you you know you're signing deals, you're doing you know, and you know we're we're a small band, but you know, we've been moving up or whatever. We, we've done our little things and we're moving forward or whatever. And that comes with a lot of kind of contradiction. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're, you're, you're messing with corporations and whoop-de-whoop. -whoop, and so it's just like, but at the same time, it's like, yo, I'm here to get it. Like, I decided to go on this path, you know? And, you know, it's just like, that's what the lyrics talk about. It's just like, you know, um... It's just like a super pop song, but it talks about like, you know, what are we going to do? What should I do with the killing and maiming? Well, I don't know. I mean, should we change it or should we just, well, I guess I'm the prophet for profit. And <laughs> I'm over here, you know, just getting jiggy with it on my little pop chorus. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's kind of deep like that. Cool where contract. it's like it's cool exploring contract. these political realities, but like at the same time, like, well, sorry like i just have to fucking move forward you know what i mean i gotta do my thing i, I need to make my my change on some hip-hop shit you know what i mean like wearing chains you know <laughs> <laughs> it's the darkness gotta wear chains. it's the darkness and the light together we need both
Just leave it on the table Now do you need a glass? It all seems like a fable, yeah Whatever you feel, I feel just the same How about we just stop playing this game? Oh Lord I'm surrounded by hustlers and Eduardo of Chicano Batman, everybody. You can go to ChicanoBatman.com for their music, and uh, they have a tour that was rescheduled to 2021, including a big show here in L.A. at the Shrine. Please check that out before the tickets are gone. Their newest record is called Invisible People. It came out in May of this year. It is my summer jam, especially that song, Color My Life. I can't quite get enough of that one. Thanks to the folks at ATO Records for supporting a band like this and for sending them my way. I love these guys so much, so I hope you support them going forward. If you want to support my band, Dust Bowl Revival, guess what? We're doing limited Dust Bowl delivery shows throughout L.A. County and nearby. You know what? You can go to our website, dustbowlrevival.com, and book a private show on your lawn, on your porch, somewhere that's safe with a few friends. It really helps us bring music to you during this crazy time. Or you can just get a vinyl, poster, a t-shirt. Choose your own adventure. Our new record, Is It You, Is It Me, is out now everywhere where you buy music. And if you're looking for other music podcasts, 
I really suggest Broken Record. There's an interview with Rick Rubin and Brandy Carlisle that really moved me this morning as I was making breakfast. And guess what? Our lovely podcast network, BGS, has a new podcast coming out with Beth Bears from Two Broke Girls. It's called Harmonics, and it really looks cool. She'll be interviewing people like Brandy Carlisle. So go to thebluegrasssituation.com for more. And uh, our wonderful podcast is a member of the BGS Podcast Network. Our episode this week was edited, written, and performed by yours truly, Zach Lupiton, with the help of the wonderful dog, Queenie, who just jumped off the couch and is staring deep into my soul. Okay, I'm taking you out, I promise. It's happening. Here we go. Oh, wait, one last thing. Starting next week, we will be returning to every Wednesday. That's right, every Wednesday, a new episode coming at you. Check your podcast feeds. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. It means a lot. And if you go to our Instagram, at Show on the Road Podcast, you will see footage of me talking to Chicano Batman across the freeway on Zoom. Unique footage, all sorts of cool stuff on there. And of course, our website, theshowontheroad.com for much, much more. That's it for me. I'm taking the dog and the garbage out, and I'll see you on the trail. <laughs>